0: We have to admit that sometimes it's an awkward thing to talk anything about the Lord uh, to people who uh, we want to invite to church. And, and people sometimes trip all over themselves and make a, quite a bit of a mess trying to communicate something about the Lord to their friends and neighbors. Why do some church attenders put themselves out there and even risk doing something that awkward and that messed up? Well... Frankly, in short, it's because they are people of the cross. And they truly believe that every person needs a cross encounter with Jesus Christ. I'll explain this statement in full throughout this sermon. And here it is. The place where every single person of today must encounter Jesus. It's on the cross. It is at the cross. Each one needs A cross encounter with the Lord Jesus. I'm reading to you from John chapter 19. And we read out of Luke. But let me read to you from John 19 verse 17. Carrying his own cross he went out to the place of the skull. Which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him with two others. One on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice Prepared and fastened on the or to the cross, it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. May the Lord add His blessing to His word. Here is why I want to say to you that every person of today needs a cross encounter with Jesus Christ. I would suggest to you first and foremost that this is the cross is a, is a cross of decision. For the last several weeks in our church, we have looked at the choice that God made as a result of the very first human beings sinning against Him and rebelling against Him and rejecting Him. And we've seen that his choice was to show mercy and set in motion a way to fix the broken relationship between humanity and himself. Between a holy God and a sinful person. Way back in the Garden of Eden, God announced and revealed his decision to do the hardest thing. To make the hardest choice that he could have made. He would begin to implement the only way. To reconcile people to himself. He saw the cross. And he saw a day when Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, would go there and suffer for us. It was the only way that God could fix what was broken between us. And it's a cross of decision. And God decided to go through with the cross. History has clearly documented a man named Jesus who lived in and around Judea, ministered in the area at the time that the Bible claims that he did. There's no credible argument against the fact that Jesus was crucified on a Roman cross. That happened. It is a fact of history, and really there is no intelligent debate about that. It was a matter of fact that a man named Jesus was hung on a cross. What is the catalyst of strong debate today are the claims that Jesus made about himself, about him being the Messiah, and also the claims that his followers make about him. What must be decided by each person of today is what they believe about this man who was crucified so many years ago on that Roman cross. Was he just another prisoner and person who was crucified? Or was his cross different? Was his cross something else? What Jesus did on the cross forces each one of us to decide what to believe about him and what to do about him. One cannot be neutral about Jesus any more than Pontius Pilate was able to make himself neutral about Jesus. Pilate had to deal with. With what to do with Jesus. And so do all of us. To attempt to ignore the Lord. Is to decide in itself. It is a decision of itself. We must decide if we believe he is the Christ. And if he is then he is God. If he is everything he said he was. He is God. And if he is God. We have to decide what that means for us personally. This is the cross. Of decision for us. One cannot have a cross encounter. With Jesus without making a decision. Of what to do about it. Once we have heard. Once we have have learned about Jesus. And once we uh, know that there was a crucifixion. Then we have to deal with it. What I'm saying is either Jesus was only another criminal. Who was punished by crucifixion. Or he was the son of God atoning for the sin of the world. And there's no middle ground. He either told the truth or he was a liar. And so the cross forces us, makes us come to a place where we decide about Jesus. Once I learned of the crucifixion of Jesus, I encountered Christ at his cross. I had to decide what I believed about what happened there at Calvary. And I had to decide whether I believe he is the Savior We're all familiar with John chapter 3 verses 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Friends, that is the way of God. He lays out a choice. God not only made choices, but he lays out a choice for us. He allows us to make our own minds up. And he lays out a choice to the people that he has created. He says to you and I today what he said to people thousands of years ago in Deuteronomy Chapter 30, when he was speaking to the Israelites through his, his servant Moses or Joshua. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord and to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, decrees and laws that you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. And that is a fact that is documented very well in history. And that is what the Bible tells you and I about in detail. You and I must decide the personal significance of the cross for us, we cannot remain neutral about them. You must decide, I must decide. We must have a cross encounter with Jesus. It is a cross of decision, it's also a cross of deliverance. Praise God for this. Jesus would say that he came to this world to seek and to save people who were lost. When he was criticized for associating with the wrong kind of people, his response was beautiful. He said, "It is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And I have come to call the, uh, not the call, uh, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Let me quote Chuck Swindoll for just a little bit, and I'm going to read a short excerpt of something that he wrote. He writes this, shoulders hunched, the man plods through life, straining with every step to carry the great burden on his back. It has been his night and day companion. Not once has he known relief from its merciless weight. The man's name is Christian, the central character in John Bunyan's classic allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. In one moving scene from the book, Christian finds the path to salvation. Up the hill, he staggers until he reaches the peak, and there he finds a wooden cross, and just below it, an empty sepulchre. As he nears the cross, a miracle happens. The straps binding the massive weight to his shoulders loosen, and the load tumbles away into the sepulchre's waiting mouth, never to be seen again. A delicious feeling of lightness buoys Christian's body and joyful tears of relief stream down his face. Swindoll goes on to say in this brief scene, Bunyan has eloquently dramatized the message that we are all pilgrims encumbered by a crushing load of sin. When we stumble to the cross, God releases our burdens, burying them forever in Christ's own grave. And a message that I preached to you some time ago, we saw how Jesus encountered a man who was literally filled with demons. If there was ever a person, if there was ever anybody on earth that most people would look at and say, look, this guy's too far gone, it would have been this man. And you will remember the story of this man because he was was in such bad straits that he, he lived in tombs. And he ran around at night in torment and he would grab rocks and he would cut himself in misery trying to relieve the inner pain, trying to let it bleed out of him. And he didn't have his right mind and he uh, hurt people who would go by. This man was an absolute lost cause, if you will, and Jesus encountered him. And it is in this message that I preached to you, I reminded you that this man was, although filled with a legion of demons, more demons than you and I could probably imagine. But this is what I do know, that when they left the man, they went into a herd of pigs that were two thousand strong and all of the pigs died. This man filled with demons was delivered by Jesus with a word. With a word, Jesus commanded the demons to go and they left him. And the man was then healed by the power and the deliverance of Jesus Christ. He delivered him from the hands of Satan's forces. And even them, even they could not hold him. It's not too dramatic for me to say to you that the whole world is staggering under the dominance and the tyranny of Satan's forces. And that humanity is filthy with sin. Because that's what's happened to us. We're bound by it and we would be utterly destroyed by it if it wasn't for the cross and the power of that cross. And the ability of Jesus to set people free with a word of love, with a word of deliverance. It is what Jesus did on the cross that frees people from the destructive power of sin. And it is at the cross where people are delivered. That's why we need a cross encounter with Jesus. Because we find deliverance from what we are. And we are transformed into somebody else. Our past doesn't define us because we have a new place. We have a new uh, starting point, And we are delivered from the things that have bound and destroyed us. There is more power. In what Jesus did at the cross, and I can adequately describe to you. When he gave his life, when he uttered the words, it is finished. When he said the words to his father, into your hands, I commend your spirit. Everything of that was of God's command and God's working. And the power of the Lord came upon that cross. There, up on a dump, there in a place that was outside the city and there where people would throw refuge away and where criminals would be, um, punished. That gruesome, awful place became a place of power and God's beauty. This is a cross of deliverance. And it is the greatest event in my estimation of, uh, that, that, of deliverance of actually any event of history. The cross of Jesus Christ is undefeated. And what I mean is this. No matter how messed up a person may be, no matter how bound or controlled by the enemy or in bondage to their own sin, a person may or may not be, no matter how unloved they are by others, when they come to the cross, they are delivered and set free. No one has been too messed up for the cross to set them free. That's what Jesus does. No person has ever been too far gone to not to have a cross encounter. Anybody can come. It's level ground there, as they say. Anybody can kneel. Anybody can find deliverance. Whether you are the richest man on earth or the poorest one who ever walked. You can come to the cross and you can be delivered. And that's the power of our God. And that's the power of what happened when Jesus suffered and he died on that Friday. He had to do it so that we would have a chance to be set free. It's undefeated. The blood of Christ is undefeated. The power of what happened there made a spectacle of all of Satan's forces put together. It is a cross of deliverance. And it is a cross of destiny. In his poem, Returned Across to, Return to, to Golgotha, George MacLeod made a point that Jesus was not crucified in a cathedral between two candles. And I quote him, but on a cross between two thieves on a town garbage heap at the crossroad of politics so cosmopolitan that they had to write his title in Hebrew and in Latin and Aramaic and Greek. The kind of place where sinners talk smut and thieves curse and soldiers gamble. Because that is where he died. And that is what he died about. And that is where Christ men ought to be. And what the church of Christ ought to be about. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, my friends... It was destiny that Jesus would one day be on a cross. And I praise the Lord that he fulfilled the destiny, the choice that his father had made. Because when they sinned, humanity was doomed. But God chose to have mercy. The drive of that choice is found throughout the pages of the Bible. Jesus became a human for that purpose. He lived all of his life knowing he would go to the cross. And he didn't want it. And we do understand that, don't we? We do understand that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus was in a garden praying his heart out. Praying so hard that the capillaries of his skin began to burst and blood was being sweated out of his pores. Praying so hard that angels of God had to come to attend to him, to support him. Praying, praying for God to allow this cup to pass from him. You know, it was a destiny, and I said this earlier in the message. This was the hardest choice that could have been made. God chose the hardest thing, and Jesus saw it. It was looming, and he said, Father, if there's any other way, Let this cup pass. He kept going back and praying that prayer. He'd come to his disciples. He's he's asking them, pray with me. You know, keep watch with me. They they were sleepy. They fell asleep. And you see this, this agony he is in in the garden. Oh, his suffering started before the cross happened. And he's crying out to his father because he knew the suffering that it would be. And let me tell you, I think for Christ. The greatest pain was not all of the physical pain, which was beyond what I could ever imagine or describe to you. It was the fact that he would become, according to the the, the letters of Paul, he would become sin. The very thing that a holy God can, can't stand to be around, he became that for you and I. And it was destiny. It had to happen from the moment that sin entered It was destined to happen. You know what? I think McLeod is right. The message of the cross belongs in here. But folks, it belongs out there. It belongs out there where the hurting people are. It belongs out there and in the ears of people who don't even know they need a cross encounter. But they do, church. We all need the cross encounter. It needs to be given into the ears of people who are so confused in their life. It needs to be given in our culture. It's relevant today. And it will always be. This is a cross of destiny A cross encounter with Jesus is one of destiny for us. A person will find their destiny and their purpose and their meaning right there at the foot of the cross. That's where life started for me. That's when my life took on meaning. Once I met Jesus, once I understood that he died for me. Once I understood his value in my life. Once I understood that he had a plan for me. It was there that I began to live out a destiny that God had planned for me. And that's where we learn that our life is one that is planned by a loving God. And that he has something beyond, so far beyond what we're living in. A man filled with demons and in utter control of them, by them was delivered and turned into a missionary on the spot by Jesus. That's a destiny. And church, our destiny is to tell others that they need a cross encounter with Jesus. People need to know. Matthew 28, Jesus had been crucified. And I'm going to jump ahead. Just in case you didn't know this, he rose again. And just prior to going to be with his father, just prior to sitting again on the throne of the universe, Jesus was gathered with his disciples and he said these words to them. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus wants his church to do, church. And if this thing, and forgive me, I don't mean this in any crass way, but if the cross means anything for our church, it means that there's a message to give and there are people for us to love. I pointed this out last night in our Monday, Thursday observance, and I'm going to close with this um, illustration instead of finishing my sermon the way I wrote it. But it occurred to me, I, I, I for a long time have to tell you, I, I would ask myself, well, I wonder why when Jesus instituted the, the Lord's Supper, why, why did he have his disciples actually break bread and say, that's my body, and eat it? And why would he have them drink wine and say, that's the blood that I shed for you? And it occurred to me that perhaps one of the main reasons we have communion today is because of what happened there on the cross. Up until the cross, God had been present and around people. God had been with them. God would come to them. They would go to God. Up until the cross, they related to God through a priest and and sacrifices. but, But it was always, if you will, God being there and people coming into an encounter with God. But Jesus changed it all on that night. When he gave them the bread and he gave them the wine, he was signaling now something new was about to happen. After he died on that cross and rose again, he became the God who lives inside of us. So when we take in the bread and, and take in the juice that represents the wine, that represents his blood, that's a signal to us that God doesn't live out there alone. He lives here. Praise God, that's how close he is. And that's what the cross did. He brought God to a place where he could somehow, and it's still a great mystery to me, live inside of our hearts. I pray that the Lord will speak to us today. And I'll finish with this. If you are sitting here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have never cried out and said, oh God, please forgive me. If you haven't fully had your cross encounter with Jesus right where you are sitting, you can do it. You can come to the Lord. You see, there's a color to God's love for us. It's red. Love ran red. And he loves us today.
1: to you. Down. at the cross, at the cross I surrendered my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. When your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all. hope is found here on holy ground. Here I bow down. Here I bow down. Here on open wide. Here you stay my life. Here I bow down. Here I bow. At the cross, at the cross I surrender. I'm in all of You.
0: I'm in
1: all of You. where Your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to You. I owe all to You. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of You. I'm in all. I owe all to you, I owe
0: all to you, Jesus. We serve a wonderful God today. And I'm so grateful that God made a choice so many thousands of years ago. To save us. Rescue us. Just before you leave, we're going to watch a video. And I'm going to ask you when the video is finished that you would leave quietly and respectfully. Because this is a night that we recall what Jesus did on the cross for us. I want to mention to you that if tonight you have prayed to the Lord to forgive your sins. And you have said, I want... To be a a child. I want to follow you. If you have made that decision. We would like to give you a gift. If this is the first time you've ever called on Jesus. We have a Bible for you. We have a gift for you. That we would like to give to you. It will be out there. Uh, I'll be close to a table. And um, near it. If you just step up to me. And say Pastor Ken. I'd like like that Bible. If, If you are a new believer tonight. We'd like to give that to you, so just let us know, okay? We'll watch this video, and after it is finished, we will quietly um, be dismissed. I want to thank you for coming. And if you don't have somewhere to be on Easter, it would be a great joy to have you come back and join us. We will have our services at 845, and then another service at 1030. And we would love for you to come. Invite your friends, even if it's awkward. All right, watch this video.